0: The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 15, verses 7 through 11, we want to read this. If there is among you a poor man of your brethren, within any of the gates in your land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart nor shut your hand from your poor brother, but you shall open your hand wide to him and willingly lend him sufficient for his what? Not his luxury. But you shall open your hand wide. Shall open your hand wide. And willingly lend him sufficient for his or her need. Whatever he needs. Beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart. Saying the seventh year, the year of release is at hand. And your eye be evil uh, against your poor brother. And you give him nothing. And he cry out to the Lord against you. And it become sin among you. You shall surely give to him and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him because of this thing the Lord your God will bless because of this thing the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in all to which you put your hand for the poor will never cease from the land therefore I command you saying you shall open your hand wide to your brother, to your poor, and to your needy in your land. Now, I want to ask a question. By the way, if you need an outline of the sermon, please raise your hand. It's one we began last week, and we certainly want to finish it today. But anyone that does not have an outline, please raise your hand. And we ask God to bless the reading of his word. Let me ask you, who is poor? Who are the poor? Let me ask you another question. Is poverty in America relative or is it absolute poverty? The data released by the U.S. Census Bureau revealed revealed that most households with incomes below the federal poverty line own cell phones as well as landline phones, computers, computers, television, and video recorders. So how did the poor live? For starters, a poor child in America is far more likely to have a widescreen plasma television, cable or satellite TV, satellite TV, a computer, and an, an Xbox or TiVo in his home than he is to be hungry. Wow. For many, certainly not all, I want you to listen, not all, this is a chosen lifestyle. What I want to do is just, uh, then I'll go on with the message, but what I want to do, the Bible says for us to be willing to open our hands wide to the poor. Who are the poor? I can say this, a man sitting on an electric scooter, smoking a cigarette, and and talking on a cell phone, this is not scripturally poor. And I saw that just the other day, sitting there on the street begging. He was sitting on an electric scooter. He was smoking a cigarette, and you know how much that that, that cost. And he was talking on the cell phone, and he said he's poor. I've been to Nicaragua. I've been to Haiti, the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. I've been to India. I know poor when I see it. But in a recent Rasmussen poll, Adults agree by a ratio of six to one that a family that is adequately fed and living in a house or an apartment that is in good repair is not poor. By that simple test, about 80, listen to this, 80% of the Census Bureau's poor people would not be considered poor by their fellow Americans. Now God's placed us here. To help those in need. But it's truly. As the Bible says. And as I just read. It's certainly those. That are in need. Now. Let me read. Psalms 24. 3 and 4. Who may ascend. Into the hill of the Lord. Or who may stand. In his holy place. He who has clean hands and a pure heart and he that has not lifted his soul to an idol or neither has he sworn deceitfully. So it's important today that we look at how him, how God looks at us and what we how we live and how we act. Last week we started on this particular sermon with Uh, hands we have clean hands we have uplifted hands we have closed hands tight fisted hands we have open hands and then lastly and certainly not least we have the nail scarred hands the hands of Jesus Christ he who has clean hands and a pure heart who's going to be able to ascend to the hill of the Lord who's going to be able to stand in his holy place let me let me just Translate that a little bit to where we are today. Who is going to be able to go to church on Sunday morning, stand in that church, and worship God, and that worship be accepted? Who is going to be able, not only, that's, that's, a, that's a temporary thing, because we come to this church, and then we, we worship God, we have the preaching and the service, and then we go home. But then the second part of that, who is going to be able to stand in the holy place, which means permanently stand in the presence of God? It's that man, it is that woman, it is that individual that has a clean hand, our clean hands, and a pure heart. Other words, not only must our attitude and our motives be pure, but our actions and our deeds and our works must be pure. You see, the Bible says that God is a holy God, amen? He's a pure God. He is a righteous God. In fact, the Bible speaks of, of God not even able to look upon sin we find that when Jesus, his son, hung on the cross, the Bible says that God turned his back on his own son. Why? Because of sin. Not that Christ had sinned. Not the sin in his life, but that he was bearing all of the entire world's sins. Can you say amen? Your sin, my sin. And therefore God could not, would not look on his own son for he bore the sins of the world. Think about that. He's a pure God, a holy God. And if you and I are going to worship him, you say, how am I going to worship God? I can't be pure. I can't be righteous. Only through him by his righteousness. Only through him by his purity. Only through him by his holiness, am I able to stand today in this church, worship him, lift up holy hands, is through and by the atoning work of Jesus Christ. So the first, we have clean hands. Second of all, we have lifted hands. Now, a lot of people are uncomfortable when you lift your hands. Hands are so important when it comes to God. You find hands mentioned at least 1,800 times In the scripture, the Bible speaks of lifted hands. And the Bible says in Psalm 63, in in the first part of the lifted hands, you'll notice on your outline, thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. But I want to read the entire chapter of the book of, uh, the 63rd chapter of, of the book of Psalms. Why? Because this is not a casual Or an occasional prayer or worship before this psalmist. He says in Psalm 63, Oh God, you are my God. Could you say that today? Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you. In a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. I want you to notice the parts of the body that is used throughout this sh- very short chapter. First of all, the eyes. He says here, he says, I see your power and, in gl- and your glory. Verse 3 says, because your love and kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. My lips shall praise you. Thus will I bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul shall be satisfied as with mara and fatness. And my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, and that's the mind, and I meditate The mind is part of this. And I meditate on you in the night watches because you have been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. There's the hand of God. But those who seek my life to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion of jackals. The king shall rejoice in God. Everyone who swears by him shall glory. But the mouth of those who speak lies shall be stopped. So throughout these verses, we find that he was totally absorbed body and soul and mine in praising God. It doesn't sound like it was a quiet worship, does it? He was glorifying the Lord. He used every part of his body and life to say, God, I'm here to praise you. I'm gonna lift my hands and worship your precious name. Psalms 119, 48. My hands also will I lift up to your commandments, which I love. Psalms 134 and verse 2, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. You say, pastor, should I raise my hands in church? Should I raise my hands? Maybe sometimes riding down the highway, lift one hand and praise the Lord. Listen to what Paul says the first, in 1 first Timothy. I desire, therefore, that the men pray everywhere, lifting up hands without wrath and doubting so we don't have to wonder is it okay to lift my hands and to praise god it's okay to honor god with the hands so we have clean hands those that have cleaned their clean cleansed their hands with the blood of jesus christ and their whole life through and by the blood can stand openly and without any condemnation before a pure and a holy god and then we have lifted hands hands to lift and praise God hands to magnify the Lord and second and thirdly we have closed hands tight fisted hands notice number 1 letting go it's God's law And we find this in St. Matthew chapter 19, verse 21. Jesus said to him, If you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. That's God's way. When I let go of what's in my hand, God begins to bless and God begins to fill me up. So God's way is for you and I, to let go. We need to let go of our money. Did you let go of some money today as the offering plate passed by? Did you turn it loose willingly? Did you say, or did you sort of squeeze it a little bit and sort of want to hold on to it? you say, God, I'm so glad I could plant seed in the kingdom. We need to let go of relationships. Certain relationships. Because sometimes we we try to hold on to those relationships. Holding tightly what you value greatly because hold lightly rather what you value greatly because it isn't yours anyway. I'm not going to hold that money tightly. I'm going to let it go. I'm not going to hold the relationship tightly. I, I ran across something the other day. It says relationships here. Relationships of all kinds are like sand held in your hand. Held loosely with an open hand, the sand remains where it is. The minute you close your hand and squeeze tightly to hold on. The sand trickles through your fingers. You may hold on to some of it, but most of it will be spilled. A relationship is like that. Are you a controlling individual? Do you try to control relationships? Do you try to control your children? you try to control your wife or your husband? you try to control your coworker. It says a relationship is like that. Held loosely... With respect, I love this, and freedom for the other person. It is likely to remain intact, but hold too tightly, too possessively, and the relationship slips away, and that relationship is lost. Letting go. Love is like a butterfly. I like this. Hold it, clo- hold it too loose, and it will fly away. Hold it too tight, and it will, cru- be, and it will crush there are things that we need to let go. We have clean hands. We had lifted hands. We have closed hands. When I let go of what I have, I receive what I need. Psalms 104, verse 28 says it this way. What you give them, they gather in. You open your hand, they are filled with good. Can you see, man? Open that hand. Let go of that grudge. Be willing to forgive. How long have we held on to bitterness because of something that was done to us in the past? When we hold on to it and we will not let it go, when God says, let it go, turn it loose, forgive. Don't try to judge. Let that person be what he or she chooses to be. But as far as I'm concerned, I'm letting go of that. Open hands means being generous. It means to be open to him some of us are like the man in the temple where jesus went into the temple one day the bible says there was a man there that had a withered hand one of them was normal but one of them was withered some of the pharisees and the uh sadducees and the religious leaders was in that particular service this was on sunday when they were attending service they looked on Jesus to see if he would heal that withered hand. What is he going to do? Jesus knew their thoughts and he looked around and he said, is it it right to do good or bad on Sunday? They didn't answer him. And then the Bible says he was angry at them because of their attitude. And then he looked at the man that had the withered hand. Some of us, we go to church with a withered hand. Some of us go visiting if we're not careful with a withered hand. Some of us live our life with a withered hand, closed. You can't put anything in it. It's a hand that's withered. It's deformed. It's sickly. And there's so many people that live that life with that withered hand. No matter where it goes, it's withered. It It can't pick up anything. It can't be of any use. It can't give an offering. It's withered. But Jesus, when he became angry at those religious leaders, looked on the man with a withered hand and he said, be healed. The Bible says that that hand became normal like the other. Do you have a withered hand today? Let God come in and speak words of healing. Let him open that hand. Let him open that hand and be generous. It signifies generosity, loving people free with your love, free with your giving, free, open, because I love you. Not giving grudgingly, but giving because I love. And then you have the nail-scarred hands, the hands of Jesus Christ. I asked this question last week, and I'll ask it again. What kind of hands did Jesus have? What kind of hands did he have? I think Jesus had rough hands. He worked in a carpenter's shop. His dad was a carpenter. And for all those years that he was being raised as a young man, he labored. He knew what it was to have calluses on his hand. He knew what it was to have sore hands, maybe scratches on his hands. Jesus knew what what it was to to work hard. And uh, I ask you today, what kind of hands do you have? What kind of hands do you have? Well, I'm here to tell you that Christ will take his hands and touch our lives. Make us new, make us whole. I want to read some scripture that's found, if you will, read it with me. In the book of Jeremiah. It's found in the 18th chapter. Reading verses 1 through 6. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying... Arise and go down to the potter's house and there I will cause you to hear my words. Stay with me. Then I went down to the potter's house and there he was making something on the wheel. And the vessel that, made, that he made of clay was marred in, he, in the hand of the potter. When I read that, I thought to myself, this vessel was in the hand of the potter. Just like you and I are in the hands of Jesus Christ. We may be marred. We may be messed up. You might say, Pastor, you look at me today and I'm just, my life is a mess. I don't live like I should. I don't, I don't do what I should and I just, I'm under condemnation. But I'm here to tell you today that God can take a messed up life. And put it back on the wheel and remold it. Can you say amen? It was marred in the hands of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel, Not just Israel, not just the nation of Israel, not just just the Jewish people, but hear this Bethel. Oh, Bethel, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord? Look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, oh house of Israel. God wants to make us over anew and touch our lives. Let me close by telling you some lives that Jesus Christ touched. The touch of the master's hand. His touch is a life-given touch. He takes us and puts us on the wheel and he makes us what he wants us to be. Jairus, he was a man that came to Jesus and his daughter had died. But Jesus went and touched her. Took her by the hand, the Bible says. And he said to her, arise. He's telling the dead person to get up. Why? Because the hand of Jesus reached down and touched her life. And life came back. You feel dead spiritually today? God wants to touch your life and make you spiritually alive. Vibrant. But you got to be pliable. you got to be willing for the Lord to take and shape. And make us what he wants us to be. There was a widow woman that lost her son. A widow woman, no husband, by herself. Now she's taken her son to bury him. Jesus came across this scene and the Bible says that he reached out and touched the buyer. He touched his hand, touched the casket of this dead young man. And when he touched the the buyer, The Bible says the funeral procession stopped. And this this one came and he said to the young man, I say unto you, arise. And here was one that was lying in a casket that Jesus Christ touched his body and he came to life again. You say there is no hope. There's always hope. Allow the life-giving one to touch your life. He, his touch is not only a life-giving touch, his touch is a cleansing touch. The hand of Jesus reached out and touched the leper, and he was made whole. Can you say amen? He was so unclean, but the leper was cleansed by the, certainly by the touch of the hand of Jesus. Leprosy in the Bible was considered sinful. It was, it, it, it was a typified sin in a person's life. doesn't matter what kind of sin is, is in your life. Let Christ touch you and make you clean today. Not only is it a life-giving touch and a cleansing touch, but it is a, an illuminating touch. Two blind men followed Jesus one day, and the Bible says that he reached out and touched those blind men, and their eyes were open and they could see. God wants to give you a vision. God wants to show forth His light and His life into your life. Let the hand of God touch you as He touched the sickness and the sin and the blind man, the two blind men. He brings life and light to us. The hand of Jesus is not only a life giving touch. It is not only a cleansing touch. It is not only an illuminating touch, but it is a reassuring touch. And sometimes we need that. Tim and Mary Bass needs the touch, the reassuring touch of the hand of God. You and I need that touch when we go through the hard times and we go through the valleys. Can you say amen? That assuring touch. Most of us remember the story of the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter, James, and John went with Jesus on top of a mountain. And there was the encounter of the prophets before him. Enoch and Elijah appeared with Jesus and they were standing there. Can you imagine this scene? Can you imagine being in the presence not only of Jesus when he is is so glorified until his whole robe shines? And here stands the the prophet Elisha and the prophet Enoch can you imagine you know what those disciples did they fell down as they were dead they were so afraid they all three went to the ground and they trembled but when jesus finished talking to them to 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 the prophets he reached over and he laid his hands on those three apostles and he said don't be afraid boys When the doctor comes and says, you've got an incurable disease. When the doctor comes and says all of these things to you. Or when you're struggling spiritually or whatever the need. We need the reassuring touch of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? amen? And then we need not only that reassuring touch. We need the healing touch. They came to arrest Jesus Christ. The apostle Peter reached out his sword and he cut off the servant's ear. The Bible says that Jesus reached down and he picked it up and he put it back on. There's very few people in this church today that in some measure you haven't experienced a healing touch of Jesus Christ. Some major healings have taken place in this church. And I'm believing the Lord for more. Can you say amen? I said, I'm believing the Lord for more, not just those that are here, but for those that are not here. We're praying and believing and trusting God. So we have a life-giving touch from the hand of Jesus. We have a cleansing touch from this precious, precious man, this precious God, these precious hands. We have illuminating touch, assuring touch, healing touch, and certainly last but not least, we have a saving touch. Jesus walked on the water approaching the disciples in a boat and they were so afraid. But Peter said, Lord, if it's you, let me come to you. Jesus said, come. Peter got out and walked on the water. If you want to walk on the water, you got to get out of the boat. Amen. Peter got out of the boat and he walked. He had faith. He looked to Jesus but then his eyes got on what was happening. It got on the wind and looked at the the effects of the wind, the waves, and all of that. And all of a sudden, the apostle Peter began to sink, and he cried out to God. He cried out to Jesus, and he said, "Help me!" And the Bible says that Jesus reached down His hand and got a hold of him, and He lifted him up. I'm here to tell you that Jesus, no matter how low, no matter where we are, His touch is a is a very healing and powerful and saving touch, the hand of God. Let me tell you about one more hand and then I'll close. The king of Israel, Belshazzar, he he discredited God and took the vessels that was in the holy place, had them brought into the castle to eat out of them, drink out of them. They were drinking, being merry. Immorality flowed. He desecrated the things of God. He rebelled against God. The king of Babylon rebelled against God. And all of a sudden, there was a hand. And the Bible says you could see not only the hands, but the fingers of God. Can you imagine? looking on a wall, and all of a sudden, all you can see, you can't see the arm, can't see the individual. All of a sudden, you see a hand, and it begins to ride on the wall. Judgment. Now, I can accept the hand of God to cleanse me, to illuminate me, to assure me, to save me. But if I don't do that, there may be one day that I'll see that hand and it begins to write. The Bible says, unless my name is written in the Lamb's book of life, I will not inherit eternal life. My name must be written, your name must be written in the Lamb's book of life. Or one day we'll look and that hand will begin to say this. You're weighed in the balance and you're found wanting. The Bible says that Belshazzar, that he was so afraid. I've heard of this before, but this is scriptural. He was so afraid, his knees were knocking together. You could actually hear his knees. He was knocking together. He was so afraid. But you see, when, the, when, when judgment comes and the world receives judgment, you and I, if we know Jesus Christ, if we have the assurance that we have made our election and calling sure, then I'll, we won't hear see that judgment. We'll be cleansed. We'll be, we'll be pure. We'll be holy. Cleansed by the power of God. But Jesus Christ will take his hand and touch your life today. Am I going to see the hand of judgment or am I going to see the hand of blessing? Am I going to receive my due that I have sown and ungodliness an immorality, or is one day Jesus Christ going to take me and say, enter into the presence of the Lord and welcome you in? Are Are you on speaking terms with him? Are you on good terms with Jesus Christ? You need to know the one that touches lives and changes them. Let us pray.